You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 20. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. This podcast is sponsored by our all-new course, What Tech Job is Right for Me. Visit us at youartechie.com slash start to check out our new course and find what tech job is right for you. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to welcome Christine Schaefer to the show. Christine is a channel sales account manager for Red Hat the mother of a rising seventh grade daughter and an absolutely huge hearted lady. Christine's short tenure, four months at Red Hat is a new adventure for her after she spent a couple of decades, a career in its own right, at the software giant Microsoft. Christine has an industrial relations business degree from Oregon State University, as well as an MBA from Arizona State and her LinkedIn recommendations have topped out at 16, which is the most that I've seen. So maybe we'll dig in and ask her a little bit more about that. However, the recommendation she's given surpasses 20. So that may be a hint. Also the most I've seen. Throughout Christine's career, she has held positions ranging from regional enablement director to US enablement lead to senior partner marketing manager before landing her current role as channel sales, channel sales account manager. Whew, that's a lot. Christine, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Ellen, for, for inviting me. Um, so let's just jump into this big, um, you know, career change that you've had. Most people after, you know, 19 years at an organization, um, they get kind of comfortable and, and it, might be, you know, sometimes changing jobs is not doesn't seem to to the our audience as that big of a deal as re-entering the workforce or making this huge career shift. You went from one tech company to another, but wow, you really were at Microsoft a long time and and you've made that jump. And I feel like that's a really brave move. Can you tell us a little bit about your move to Red Hat recently? Sure. So um, I started my career in Microsoft uh, in Phoenix, Arizona in 2000. And um, I my first five years, I was a major account manager. And really, you act as a quarterback for an account team that engages with very high profile customers. So I had uh, general dynamic decisions. I had uh, Banner Health. I had on semiconductor. Uh, U.S. Food Service, um, so very, very diverse industries that I engaged with, um, and it uh, taught me, it, it took a lot of the sales background I had and took it to the next level, and at the time I was single, and I absolutely worked around the clock. It was very, very demanding. Um, after I was married to Dan, and, and we actually had my daughter Lauren there in Phoenix, um, I moved over into a channel sales account manager. So the woman who hired me for Microsoft, who was a mentor of mine for probably all 19 years, she's now retired, 
um, she actually hired me again. Um, I never left the company. I was still with the company and she hired me into this position where I would work with partners and manage a set of locally regional partners um, that were really trying to, to take the revenue to the next level. And so that brought me into the partner side and I loved it. I, I recognized where my skill sets really aligned well, my, my sales background really uh, supported the, the decision to move into that role. And so I did that for five and a half years. And I was involved at that point with the Next Step program, um, which is a mentoring program to try to help um, folks that, that are strong contributors find their next role. And so I will tell you as a Microsoft employee and whether you work for Cisco or IBM or some of these large companies, really um, they, they put a lot of investment into ensuring that good performers really are growing in their career. And that's what happened with me in this program. So we had a great leader um, who helped us really understand where our strengths were and what kind of roles we would need to pursue. And at the so um, I was lucky enough and blessed to land a position that brought my family to Raleigh, North Carolina. And we had identified Raleigh as a place we wanted to move for many, many reasons why people come here. We um, moved here in 2011 with Microsoft and I was a regional enablement director. What that role meant was that I took all of my background and skills in selling and also in the partner channel management side. And I brought those into, I knew all the programs for partners. And so I was responsible to land those programs. Some were popular with partners and some were not. Um, from New York all the way down to Fort Lauderdale. So I would travel with the leadership team. I dotted line to these people and I started to build a brand in the East region with these partners and with a lot of the Microsoft leadership. And so from there, I ended up moving um, after two and a half years. That was probably my most favorite role at Microsoft. And then I moved into working with our top learning partners um, so where I learned about certifications and I learned about enablement and I learned about um, you know, the, the value of competencies, as we term them. And I worked closely to ensure that we were driving our huge ecosystem of partners. Um, Microsoft went through many reorgs while I was there. And that's one of the things I share um, openly with, with women who look to pursue their next step um, in a technology type role. Um, that reorgs happen and they're not, they're not something to fear, um, but they can, they can drive change that you were not initiating. I was slotted in a role that was absolutely misaligned to my skill set. And we all took a profile, an insights profile. There are many different profiles out there. Um, Myers-Briggs and, you know, there's, there's, there's the DISC profile. And I was putting, I was starting to put feelers out there um, to big companies that I knew had a strong presence in Raleigh, IBM, Cisco, Red Hat, and others. So this is probably in, what, 2017 that this was happening. And so I took the profile test and what it showed me personally, and I personally came up high red, no surprise, if, since you know me, um, high yellow and high green, right? So type A, very relational, that's important to me to connect with people on, a, on an individual basis. And then green, you know, I'm the person who gets their expense reports in on time and you know, I, I ensure things are delivered in a timely manner, but I came up low blue and they put me in a role 
that was all blue all day long. And I was scratching my head. I got slotted into an operational role that I knew was going to be hard. And at the time, I said to my manager, I am kind of concerned about this. Like, here's what my profile says, right? Um, And what would take somebody an hour to do took me five. Now, I happen to have a uh, characteristics of tenacity, and I happen to bring a characteristic of perseverance. And I had a lot on the table after 19 years with Microsoft that I did not want to leave. Because it was an operational role, I was up till 9 or 10 at night because of the time frame that Microsoft had. And most of the stakeholders that I needed to engage with were on West Coast time. Mm-hmm. So I always share with people that the company you work for, if time, time zones can be a liability, there's a tax, mm-hmm. right? There's a tax. And to be cognizant that if you're in an outside sales role or a marketing role where your stakeholders are in your time zone or even one time zone away, right? I, I think there's a lot more opportunity for balance. When you start going West Coast or overseas, you really need to ask the questions about conference calls. Are they at nine o'clock at night? Are they, you know, at midnight because of time zone changes? I think that's really important for women, especially who are maybe balancing a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I found myself that I was skipping making dinner. Um, I was um, probably not at peace. I felt very, very out of whack. And that for me to get back to where I needed, where, where I was given gifts and where mm-hmm. I thrived, I would need to leave. Um, after talking to Red Hat for two years and talking to them about a couple different roles, Um, I was brought in to interview for the channel sales account manager. And the the thing that I love about Red Hat, you know, if you know people that work there, they talk about the culture. And and I met the hiring manager, and we just connected. Um, And I knew, whereas my other manager, I struggled a little bit more with her style. I knew that this manager would be fantastic. And um, I, I, it happened really fast after talking to him for two years. Right. The I mean, that's I got pretty it, interesting. I think that that's something that our audience really, I want to hone in on that. Like, you know, sometimes they think that they're failing when they don't, you know, they have, they're looking for a job for two. I've been looking for two months, you know, and yeah. I don't think they realize like, well, if I had a job, then I would be better off. Or if I was already there, but sometimes it just takes that like building of a relationship for a couple of years to make sure the right fit is there, you know? It is. And I will tell people, like, I, like my boss went and looked at my Facebook page. My boss went and looked at my LinkedIn page. Yeah. So one of the pieces of recommendation I have is make sure that the, 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 the authentic person that you may be, um, you know, on Facebook or even LinkedIn, just make sure that that really, truly represents you. Right. Um, and right. and um, because I think it's important, you know, pe- recruiters and hiring managers will really delve in, especially right. let, let me tell you the risk I had. People were nervous about hiring Christine after 19 years at Microsoft, right. because although I had had, you know, I started my sales job selling ladies shoes at Nordstrom's and I <laughs> sold ice cream at Basket of Robin. So I had many jobs before Microsoft. And people were like, how is she going to adapt to our culture? She's expensive. You know, that was another thing. 
Um, so I think the same challenge that a woman might feel or a perception a woman might feel yeah. coming from not being in the workforce, having a career before family, wanting to get back even part time. Right. Their perception is going to be like, well, who's going to hire me? Like, how right. am I relevant? Right. You are relevant. Women are highly desired right now. It's a fantastic time to be a woman in technology. And it is really critical to be able to articulate your skill set and what you achieved, not only before family life, but if you are running a huge initiative at your child's school, if you are running a huge community outreach for your church, like whatever you may be doing, take those skills and bring them in. And I will tell you, I put like where we we're really Dan and I, we are so blessed, but we're really passionate about giving back and serving. That is really to us. That's what we're called to do. And I'll tell you, the larger companies, they have amazing um, uh, 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 matches when it comes to volunteer hours and when it comes to. So like Microsoft will match like up to fifteen thousand dollars of charitable giving. Like if you wow. give up to that much. They will match it one to and they support causes, you know, they support all causes. And so we're really passionate about, um, you know, uh, organizations that support uh, women that are, you know, in crisis pregnancies that want to move forward and have the baby. And, and so we're passionate about that. We're passionate about um, uh, Raleigh Rescue Mission. And so, like, these organizations will match. And so if you are, are, if you have, if you're doing that and you haven't been in the career field, talk about that because right. that really strikes a chord with recruiters and with people that are hiring you because you're trying to show them your whole person. And that's a big part of it, like what you're passionate about. Um, if you prioritize family, share that with them. If you prioritize a nonprofit organization, share that with them. And then bring in your skills. And then, um, you know, I think it's important to talk about situational um, times when you've demonstrated overcoming adversity. And it can be personal. It doesn't have to be business related. Right, right. Um, Actually, so yeah, I want to take two steps back because you mentioned uh, your LinkedIn and Facebook page, and I wanted to ask mm -hmm, you specifically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I mean, I'm mm -hmm. I only like see a million LinkedIn profiles a week, and I, uh, you know, I was looking at yours to go over your uh, your amazing career and kind of extrapolate out the you know the positions you've had and all the great things, and I saw all these recommendations, and I just was like, I mean, I was really blown away by how many you had given and how many you had received. And I just want to ask you, like, do you have a process for that? But I know that our audience would love to hear, like, how can I get some recommendations? But, like, how do you do that? You know, I think, um, you know, you, you, you talked about being your authentic self, and you really are. Um, I think that's just wonderful. You know, who you are is who you are. And I think... You come to a point, and, I, and I, I did this through ups and downs at Microsoft, but I always brought my authentic self to the relationship. So when you have known customers and then you get to know them personally uh, and you understand what drives them, and a lot of times it's their, you know, their family life or, again, they may have, you know, I had a, a customer of mine who was really passionate about his, his daughter had juvenile diabetes, right? So I made sure that I went on the walk 
and um, and supported him. And I ended up going to his his wedding. Like he got married um, second time, and I went to his wedding. And we still will talk once a year. And you know, he's somebody who I could always reach out to and ask for a recommendation. And so. I would tell you, don't wait until you're, some of you may have not built up, you know, that many. And I and yep. I understand it. You know, some of you may not have been in the workforce for, for that long. But um, look at a current relationship you have or you've had in business and ask them. People are happy to write a recommendation. Right. And then for anybody who's in a job and they're trying to look for another job, ask some of your trusted colleagues. You know, they may know you're looking. They may not. But just say, hey, would you mind writing me a recommendation on LinkedIn? Um, and I really tried to go to partners. I tried to go to customers. And in 2017, when I was starting to put my feelers out, oh, my goodness, I really need to get some robust recommendations. And LinkedIn was starting to get also become yeah. more pre prevalent yes, for that, too. Absolutely. Like people started asking. So that's that's what I would say is people really do want to give you recommendations. Um, think about two or three, maybe a month that you ask for, and then before you know it, you have however right. many. I didn't even know I had that many until you told me so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. If you have good habits, then they're just part of it. I know one time um, that I thought this was a beautiful idea, I rolled off of a project. I was a, I, I moved from one client to the next, and someone on the team, as I left, they asked me for a recommendation, which I thought, well, that's a great timing. Like, mm -hmm. I'm the one mm -hmm. moving and you want to make sure to capture this relationship and do you know i mean that was several years ago i mean and now he um most recent like he stayed at that organization like sometimes it's just adding value i think if you look for the change um then like if you're if you do it right before sometimes that's hard and he just now made the change after years later uh works for an excellent company a really a, a great company but i think that those habits are really important and it's a little weird and awkward I think the first time but then it just kind of gets normal you're like hey can I get a recommendation I'd be happy to you know write you one obviously you wrote a lot of people recommendations as well yeah absolutely and I put I put my heart and soul into it too because um, yes. people people deserve to to know um, what they're really good at and yeah hundred percent hundred percent all right I really want to dig in to this word enablement, because being someone, you are the woman who introduced me to that word. So I will, you know, we should let everyone know, like this is this is a, a friend of, Christine's a wonderful friend of mine. We've been a friend and mentor. She's always been supportive of women in tech authentically for years, as she knows this is a passion of mine. And, um, and she's really seen, um, given me great advice over the years. But being someone who was in the learning space and in the tech space, and I did not even understand the word enablement, I really think, and I've tried to educate people on it, but I would, if you could just explain um, to our audience what exactly is enablement and, and who, you know, why might someone want to go into that area? Right. So if you think about, I mean, just the, just like the Webster's Dictionary, right, where, where, um, you are um, supporting someone to pursue a competency mm -hmm. or a skill, right? And, and so enablement is applicable in any industry, but specific to technology, when, you, when we talk about enablement, um, 
there's really not a hard line between employees and customers and partners. Enablement in technology means that you have a learning culture. And so this is something that I think Microsoft, before I left, they were really landing this. Um, and, and the content that was created for us to learn about our solutions and specifically this digital transformation to the cloud um, certainly, we always created it with customers in mind, but we didn't enforce that we as employees needed to be able to talk the talk, right? Yes, yes. So we, I think enablement comes down to understanding what you're, here, here's what I'm good at, here's where I want to be as far as a professional, and what are the, the resources and assets I need to get there. Um, now, enablement, here's, here's the beauty. Um, you can enable a marketing person, you can enable a salesperson, you can enable a project manager. There are so many LinkedIn free courses that I would just tell folks, if you think you have an interest in this particular area, go out and take a 15 or 30 minute online video, understand it more, right? Figure out what is the path, what does the learning path look like? to enable you from where you are today to that professional certification or capability that you want to tell people in terms of alignment to a role that you're after, right? right. So that's, that's um, hopefully that's clear. Yeah. If you have yes. questions about that, let me know. But that's what enablement means to me, and that is how I've seen it uh, talked about in, in technology. No, I think that's a great definition, and I think that it's so interesting because, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, when people think tech, they automatically think coding. And while I promote the concept that everybody can learn to code, and I highly encourage you to do so, it's just not the beginning and end of tech. There's so many other needs out there um, that don't involve any programming. And, and once you get that comfort level, then you can really kind of find your fit. And once you are comfortable knowing like, hey, I can learn it, whatever I need to learn, I can learn it. Um, then you open yourself up to a lot of other opportunities, you know? Well, and I, and I wanna tell you, there's so many skills that I know people have that are transferable. So that's, the, I, I love the fact that you're really trying to open up um, people's understanding of technology because I mean, I certainly used to think of it as, you know, the basic and COBOL that we might have learned at school. And I, yeah. I hate it. I, to be honest, I hated it. I never, I never thought in a million years that my sales skills, right? Some right. lady shooting Nordstrom's. Um, yeah. And then I, I, you know, and then I obviously evolved from there. Right. Um, but I will tell you that if you have run, let's say your husband is self-employed and he needs you to manage his books and you've been helping him with the business, and I know a lot of women who do that for their husbands <laughs> uh, or their spouses, um, that you, if you are hired to, um, to work, you know, managing POs and invoices, guess what? You've just brought skills that you've done. Right. And, and somebody who's hiring sees that. They see right. that you would be able to do the same thing in a business environment. Yeah. Um, you don't yes. have to know technology. You will learn technology. Right. And most people are savvy enough to either know a PC or Macintosh, but you will learn technology. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, I went from 19 years knowing Microsoft and Windows and all of the Office applications and coming into Red Hat 
It's all Google. It's all Macintosh. I thought, oh my goodness, I am I gonna and right really it took me like three weeks, three or four weeks, and a couple questions to my boss at time, right. and I got it. Like I and I'm not proficient in it, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So right. don't don't let any of that intimidate you. Yeah. Really go to a coffee shop, get your latte, and sit yeah. down and do a do do a discover your strengths profile, identify where those strengths might lead you. And then start thinking about all of the things that you've done up to this point that are skills that would apply to that role. And then start getting yourself out there and networking, and um, you would be just surprised. And there are so many jobs that provide flexibility. So I didn't realize I would be on video today. I happen to be working from home, so I put no makeup on because I take my dogs running in the morning. Um, but... But I, the flexibility that, like I said to my boss last night, I'm going to work from home on Friday. Is that okay? No problem, right? She knows I'm really committed to my job, and I'm going to be working on a bunch of invoicing, actually, that I have to get out today, and a couple other conference calls that I have, and it's fine. Like, if you know, I do, because I'm new, I want to be in the office, but you have jobs where if it's critical that you need to work at home two days a week or you need to work at home three days a week, just be honest up front, because if they mm -hmm. love you, they're going to work with you. Right. Right. So right. think about the role you're going and think about what your needs are as well at this at whatever point you're at in your life. Right. Right. That's one of the um, you know, one of the things that we like to talk about is like just when you just because you read a job description and it doesn't say like remote work, don't assume it's a no. Don't assume. Be willing to ask. I mean, I know one of our one of the moms in our group, she went on an interview and it didn't say anything about flexibility or remote. She works remotely now. She went on the interview. They're like, yeah, you just have to be in the office on Wednesdays. She was like, oh. I mean, <laughs> sometimes it's just so much a part of the culture. Yeah. People don't even think of it. And like you said, I mean, not every organization is going to be like that. But don't, don't assume that it's not. Assume that it is until you're told otherwise. And maybe you have to prove yourself. Like you were saying, you have to show, you know, demonstrate capabilities. And there are different roles that are you know, more or less um, situated to that. But, all right, well, this final question, and then let's wrap it up. I just, is there any other advice? And you've already given so many good pieces, so may, maybe there's not. Maybe you have nothing left. But let's just say that there's a woman, and she's at home with her kids, or she's in a role that is just not really well-paying or not meaningful to her, um, mm -hmm. or doesn't give her that flexibility. Like, and she wants to transition into a tech field, um, a tech position, what advice would you give her, regardless of the specific position? Like, what, what, would, you, what would you say to her? I would tell her to um, identify what you're passionate about and what you're, it's just as important to understand what you don't like to do, right? Um, identify the environment that is the best for you to work in. That could be an environment where you've got, you're around peers all day, or it could be an environment where you're working from home, you know, but you can come in one day a week. Um, identify how you like to be managed and how you don't like to be managed. And then say to yourself, what kind of roles will capitalize on the gifts that I've been given? Everybody has a purpose. Everybody is valuable. Everybody has been given a set of gifts. What gifts can really, can, because if you tap into those gifts in a role, the money will come, the money will come. And let me tell you, technology can be super lucrative. 
Um, and so, um, and I know a lot of people, you know, obviously have made some good decisions. I chose to be an individual contributor. There is a tax to stay an individual contributor. There's also a benefit. So like I right. said, I know a lot of managers and directors and it's been very lucrative for them. Um, I chose, I chose the work-life balance being, not being a travel warrior. I chose, you know, even though I will, I did travel from time to time, but I chose that purposely, you need to identify non-negotiables. That's really important. If you can't yes. travel, you got to say, I can't travel. If you can travel, you know, once a month or once a quarter and you can work that out with family or your spouse, great. Um, but be real, be real true to yourself on that. And then get a mentor, get a, get a mentor, a male or female, um, and really sit down and say, here's where I'm at. Here's where I want to be. Can, can you help me think through all the things I might be missing, right? Here, here's what I'm doing right now. What am I missing? And you need that encouragement and community around you yes. um, to, stay, to stay positive right. and um, to know that, like for me, I talked to Red Hat for two years, right? I, I, right. You know, I talked to Cisco. I talked to other great companies. And um, just, just be patient with yourself. And it, it, you will get there. It may not look like what what you ideally want it to right. look like, but it right. may have 80%. If it has 80%, go for it, right? Yeah, that's so, a win for sure. Yeah, that's a win. <laughs> Christine, thank you so much. This is so fun that we got to hang out. I'm glad we could carve out time to do this. I know and, it. I know it. And just thank spend you. time because with our schedules, we're always juggling. But um, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Ellen. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at URTechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.